Hi, everyone, and welcome to A Journey Through Into Awareness. We're here tonight with a very special guest. And of course, I just opened my mouth tonight and started speaking and introducing. We're here with, <laughs> we're here with Judy Miller, our co-host, right? Or and it's great her, to be here. Or am I her co-host, right? <laughs> we're here with Dr. Stephen Weiss. Stephen, thank you for saying yes to being here tonight. My pleasure. Thank you. And um, so, and I'm Dr. George Andow. For those of you just tuning in, it's wonderful to have you with us. And for those of you that listen in weekly, thank you. We love being with you. So those of you that have listened, um, you might have remembered that I spoke about um, having had scoliosis and having had the surgery. Uh, first surgery was when I was 28. And the second one was about two years ago. And I had an incredible experience with a man, a doctor, who were just about the same age. So I, if I had found him or gone to him when I was little, um, but of course, impossible because we were about the same age, he would have been little. Um, I don't think I would have needed the surgery. Dr. Stephen Weiss is an incredible man, friend, doctor, healer. Just, I can't say enough about him. Um, so I'm going to let you spend time with him. Mm. So he's an osteopathist, <laughs> healer, among many other types of um medicine he has studied. So Stephen, please thank you again for being here with Judy and I tonight. Thank you. It's yeah. my blessing. So Stephen, besides knowing you for 30, 30 plus years um, and you just healing me along the way through the pain I've had and the struggles. Um, I mean, I remember a time just being so congested and I was just sick and it had nothing to do with my back and you were able to heal me and you're just amazing. Could you talk a little bit about your work here for everyone listening? <laughs> I know where to start. You know, three seconds or so. Um, well, it, my practice is open and, and full. So I'm seeing new patients. So I have to kind of do that sometimes a half a dozen times a day. Um, it, and I, and I tailor, what I say about my work based upon who's listening. I can't talk a lot about es esoteric matters or, uh, you know, the invisible world much if I'm dealing with people that are pretty concrete, but I'll, I'll, I'll pull away the veils for you and I'll just tell Thank you, you. What I think. Yeah. yeah. People, people know that our show is uh, very spiritually and energetically based. Yeah. And I know you. So, if at our root we're spiritual beings living in a physical container. Um, and ironically, I was a pre-engineering student before I was a, a pre-med student, before I went to med school. And I used to work for a retired civil engineer rebuilding old houses on the north coast of Maine. Um, and then switched from that to pre-med and then switched from that into biology and ecology and looked at systems relationships. Um, if we really look at um, who we are and what we are and what we require to, to heal ourselves, um, we are spiritual beings living in a physical container. Therefore, there are laws, um, immutable we could call them health requirements, just like in the, in the engineering world, um, that determine whether we as spiritual beings are present to inhabit our physical container. Those laws have to do with uh, sacred geometry, embryology, interestingly enough. And when you start to look at the energetic relationships required for bodies to be able to heal, you start to, to delve into a field that some of the teachers call spiritual law. But in so much as we are spiritual beings, if we just look at spiritual law, we've missed half the equation. 
and a whole lot of our patients won't get better. Because we are spiritual beings inhabiting a physical container. Um, therefore, we have to pay attention. More than pay attention, we have to uh, vigorously adhere to the laws of physics and engineering as they determine the capacity of the physical body to heal and regulate itself. So we have a sort of what I have in my practice is an equation. It's an algorithm, much like the kind of problem solving algorithm that a mechanical engineer would use to evaluate a machine that's broken or like a structural engineer would use to evaluate a building that's for some reason can't be fixed. And my algorithm is several terms of physical, structural, mechanical engineering, and then a bunch of terms that have to do with um, spiritual law, energetic requirements. Because my job is a, early on in my career, I got thrown kind of in spite of myself into this role of being like a, you know, you all know what it means to be a primary care physician. You're kind of like the first person somebody sees. Well, I got thrown in the first practice I worked in as to being the third or fourth level, a tertiary level person, um, where I was seeing the people who had fallen through the cracks often multiple times. Yeah. And um, I not only had to figure out what, why what hadn't worked, you know, but I had to figure out what can I offer that hadn't been addressed and how could I support these people in healing? And I realized the more and more I got into this, that the only way I was going to help them was by looking at, you know, so often in medicine and healthcare, we chase symptoms. Uh, one of my teachers would say a bit like a puppy chasing its tail. And there's so many forms of therapy that are based upon symptom care, right? Making people feel better, which isn't a bad thing, but I don't believe it can be misconstrued as healing. Now, healing is really where you restore the body to its capacity to self-heal and self-regulate. That's, I agree, yeah. So, so somewhere, the ecological perspective, where you never look at something in an isolated point, you always look at it in a larger and larger context. I began to realize that the only way I was going to help people was to look at their always in the context of the rest of the body, of a whole body, based upon a pretty extensive understanding of how that body worked what it required to be healthy, and how it was put together, the embryology of it. Um, when you say embryology, Stephen, uh, what I'm hearing from my training, and certainly it's not your training, but it is how the child is formed with all the, um, with all the telltale pieces of what the mother is going to, through in her own journey, the baby experiencing parts of that and having its own journey inside the womb while it is forming from a fetus to a full uh, baby inside the womb. Would you say that's so? No. Good. So please, <laughs> good. So please tell me this is um, what you're describing is the post embryonic period. Okay, so you're after okay. after the embryo is fully formed, it becomes the fetus. Okay, and as a fetus, then it's affected by both the gen genetic fields of the mother and father, right. as well as the fact that it's gestating within the field of the second chakra and the energet and the energetic path okay. of mother. Okay, but let's go back to okay. the beginning. You're talking about conception. conception? There's the, the time between conception. And when the fetus is fully formed, which is about nine weeks, um, is called the embryonic period. Okay. Now there's several, and even as I start to, to, to think about it, and I get chills, because it sort of took me a long time to even feel like I could begin to wrap around it. First of all, for the first eight and a half weeks post-conception, the nucleus, the DNA, is completely covered and cloaked in thick proteins called histones, and they are not active in the embryonic period. So the first thing we, we learn about the embryo is that there's no genetics involved. So the genetics of the mother and father are not engaged in the embryo. The second, wow. Yeah, it's a wow. The second Big is that the end of the embryonic period 
Every single human embryo is identical and unmistakable to every other human embryo. There is no genetics, there is no race, there is no sex, gender, right? And so we have these perfect templates. And if, and as one of my teachers would say, um, and, and this embryonic period from this perspective has been the obsession of, an, of, of several groups of embryologists trying to understand, well, if there's no genetics, how do these guys get formed? And if you take a mystical perspective on it, the embryo is formed from without. It's basically sculpted. There are forces. The only thing that's going on is the cells are divided. And several forces inside the embryo, several forces outside the embryo, influence the division of the cells, the growth, the shape, the position. Like, for example, one of the... When you say the forces, are you talking, am I hearing God, creator? Oh, it, you know, it's sort of like Einstein, who was asked once, you know, what do, you, do you believe in God? And he sort of said, you know, if you walk in the woods long enough and you, and you come to this part of the woods where every tree is perfect and it's spaced perfectly and the rows are as straight as you can see, you know, and, and, and you look around and there's perfection here. You, you have to tell yourself that something planted these trees. And for him, that was his sense of... That's of interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, okay. I would say, I'll give you an example. And one could say that we are molded during the embryonic period by spirit. No, that's, that's not... Um, I'm not sure many embryologists would go along with that. But so early, the very first structure is like a rod. We could call it a superconductor little rod called the notochord. I want you to hold this because we're going to take a break and I, w I don't want to go yeah. into it depthfully. So this is a good place to take a break so that we can continue from here. This is like a kind of like a new segment. This is great. So fascinating. Oh, I love it. So we'll be right back with Judy and I will be right back with Dr. Stephen Weiss. Be right back. Thanks for joining us. Brief break. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Innings. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military, politics, all around what makes a great leader. 
the personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Radio Show here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Hi, welcome back to A Journey Through Into Awareness. For those of you just joining us, I'm Dr. George Andow with our co-host, Judy Miller, and we're here with Dr. Stephen Weiss. So, Stephen, finish your thought mm-hmm. and then bless us with some of your experiences. Oh, I want to sit with you all day. I can't believe I've known you for 30 years and... And you haven't explained this to me. It's amazing how it flies by. It does. does. Um, During the break, I was thinking that I could come at this in a different way um, that would make it more meaningful or clinically significant. When you see people who have fallen through the cracks, when you see people who continue to suffer, and you look at um, and you learn to track energy, you learn to look at consciousness. You know, we start with the idea that our bodies are alive. And as a function of our being alive, we are constantly adapting, compensating, and trying to heal the, the various issues that our consciousness perceives in us. So when you look at people who've experienced extreme trauma that hasn't been correctly diagnosed or com- comprehensively diagnosed, and they haven't gotten better, and you start to track where the energy goes, and you start to replay the tape of where you needed to go and why in your map to support their healing, what I began to realize, um, and I'll I'll come back to this, especially in the post 9-11 New York era where I was practicing, um, what you start to see are the relationships that are established in the early embryology period. So you, you start to realize that the the forces that created us and established those primary relationships are actually, at least in my world, in the way, in my lineage, my tradition, the basis of what we require to heal and regulate ourselves. It's been put that the embryo is the bridge between spirit and the physical body. And that the, that one could look at embryology from a more esoteric, spiritual, sacred geometry perspective as the movement or the evolution of consciousness from the void, non-duality, through, we look at stages of the embryo that are one-dimensional, two-dimensional, like an axis, and then you start to look at the transitional stages between two dimensions and three dimensions, and then three-dimensional space being the matrix in which anatomy and physiology evolve, right? So we can look at embryology as the, the journey from spirit into its expression, manifestation in our beings as anatomy and physiology. Anatomy and physiology in a living body means that, it, that they're endowed with the capacity to know themselves, organize themselves, heal and regulate themselves. So it's not just like random building blocks, right? Right. Um, and that's and that's that's innate. That's innate. Well, that's innate. the the fetus, the uh, the embryo isn't doing anything for that. It is happening. You you have the explosion that occurs um, in in one dimension, which is the fertilization of the egg. Now the Native Americans have a whole preamble to that that I can talk about this thing I've been observing that I'm calling, for lack of a better word, pandemic shock, but perhaps we'll get to that later. Um, 
And then that, through a series of processes, forms this rod, this, this, this axis. And then everything else in the body organizes itself. For example, at the point of this axis and everything that's forming, at two weeks, we are like a worm. We're, we're straight. And there, there's a yolk sac around the belly of the worm, and that's slowing down the division of the cells in the belly area. And the back is dividing a lot, and the result is the front's slow, the back's uh, fast, and it curls around that rod. And the top of the head, the tip of the brain, curls around that rod and embeds itself in the midsection just above the yolk sac, and that becomes the heart. Mm, so fascinating. The heart comes from the forebrain. Wow, that's fascinating. And then, and our the sides of our skulls get glued in and they become our collarbones. Wow. Steve. And then the embryo straightens up and you have not a line, but you have the line a little bit like those little, um, those long balloons that the, the clowns will put together. It <laughs> curls in on itself. And then, you know, the front of it is the head, the jaw, the throat, the chest, all the way down to the diaphragm. Wow. The diaphragm comes in right behind the heart and the diaphragm happens to come from the neck as it migrated down, which is the nerves to the diaphragm come from the neck. So if you piss off the diaphragm, you piss off the neck. Or if you piss off the neck, you piss off the diaphragm. So I'm always talking with my students about understanding the units of function, which is a mechanical engineering term. So for the diaphragm, we have to look at the neck. For a shoulder injury, we have to look at the ear and the side of the head because they are one common source. So that's fascinating. You know, having you treat me for 30 plus years, that's why now it makes sense as to why you're going to my ankle when it's something else that is bothering me. Stephen, can you talk about some of your experiences that you've had in the healing, how you have actually using your techniques? Because I know you heal a lot of people. I mean, the body heals itself. We know that. But you are such a vehicle. And I know that for, I know that personally. So, you know, your energy, not everybody with your knowledge has the energy to do what you do. Mm -hmm. It can't be, Stephen. I don't think. And Stephen, as you address George Ann's questions, one of the things that you mentioned earlier was that part of the healing is having that mediator or facilitator. Yes. And getting out of the way. So could you explain to listeners also, when yes. you do healing, how do you get out of the way? Yeah, how did that, I brings out a, of the way? that brings a good, it's a good question. Um, that question comes from two different roots. Um, you have to understand when you ask Stephen a question. <laughs> yeah, some questions more than others. Um, I'm adopted to the Zuni people. I'm a child of the Bear Clan. Uh, of the Zunis, it's half my life I was taken in, and that's how I got there is another story. But I happened to meet an incredible healer who in his 30s was working as a sheep herder up in the mountains, drunk most of the time. And he and his buddies were on a mountaintop in, in, in northwestern New Mexico when he was struck by lightning. And he was blown off the rock where he was sitting, and he apparently sort of was lying smoking in the back of the in the back of the clearing and his friends just assumed that Jimmy was dead. They were all drunk. They got in the pickup and drove the eleven miles back to Zuni, the Pueblo of Zuni, um, and um, told everybody, went to his wife and said he was dead. Now, I met Zuni, I met Jimmy ten years later. Um, as he put it, he spent three days sitting on his back or lying on his back, torn open while the spirits of his ancestors filled him with the knowledge and power of, of healing. And central to that knowledge and power was the imperative of getting out of the way. When I first met him, I watched him do a miraculous piece of healing to bring back a boy that had been concussed with it by hitting, being hit in the head with a baseball. When, and blew my mind. One moment, I'm going to interrupt you. When mm. you say get out of the way, do you mean just allowing whatever 
to take place? What? No, it's not what passive. Do you mean? So well, talk yeah. about it. Well, yeah. So I watched Jimmy Awash. Now, I knew from, I was a medical student and I was, I had rotated at the Indian Health Service Hospital. And they told me, have you met Jimmy yet? He's our local celebrity. I said, how come? You know, yeah, I've seen Jimmy. We, we talked. He said, you got to see this. And they took me down to the basement and they showed me stacks of x-rays of people that had shattered their arms. They were deemed irreparable. And they, the doctors, the surgeons had recommended amputation or just splinting them and just letting it go. And the family had gotten Jimmy, the bone doctor, and his specialty was recrystallizing bone fractures overnight. Let that one sink in. He's been written up by several journals. Um, you know, the problem with the scientific method applied to that is nobody can say what the mechanism is. You ask Jimmy what he does. He said, I get out of the way. Creator and the spirits of my ancestors come through me. And I allow them to work through me and, and to do this work. So when I saw him basically bring this young boy back from the unconscious, he pulled up a chair next to me and, and said, um, um, and I suddenly realized everybody left and left me alone with him. Um, he said, uh, Mary, who's the woman who adopted me, said you're going to some sort of white man's medical school where they're trying to teach doctors how to be healers. She thought you, you, that you might have some questions for me. And in my first year of osteopathic, man, you know, learning to do manual medicine, which is the idea of trained physicians doing stuff with their hands to change the outcome of diseases or change anatomy and physiology, wasn't very energy-based. The guy that was our, the chair of that department was very fear-based. And he was like, you got to protect yourselves. Your patients will make you sick, you know, and, and, he was all about self-protection, just like beating it into us. Wash your hands after every patient, and which isn't a bad thing, especially in COVID. But the idea that your patients could make you sick was pretty, you know, interesting. I mean, I don't agree, potentially. So ironically, I'm thinking there's this holy man here. I, I've experienced things I've never seen before. What can I possibly ask him? Oh my Out God. of my mouth blurts, sir, how do you protect yourself? Before you go on, yes, we have to take a quick break. Okay. We will be right back with Dr. Stephen Weiss, Judy Miller, and Dr. George Andow. And this is a journey through into awareness. Thank you for joining us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. 
Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to A Journey Through Into Awareness. And so, Stephen, continue what you were saying. And I think you're so darn smart. I, I, I want to invite you to try to make it a little less technical. <laughs> I know it's hard for you. I know. But I want our listeners to really grasp what you talk what you're talking about and what you do so that maybe they can reach out to you because you can help everybody you really can and Stephen, you are an amazing practitioner and you have some incredible experiences and yes. in how you got there and i know listeners would love to know more about your background and especially like you were saying with jimmy and the uh the tribe that you uh you uh worked and lived with. We'd love to hear the end of the story in terms of how to get out of the way. Yeah. So, um, there I am. I just put my foot in my mouth, perhaps. He jumps up, <clears throat> gets about this close to me and starts yelling at me. Like, who do you think you are? You know, who do you think you can heal? What more are we even been bags of mud brought to this place by our ancestors and spirit? And, and all of a sudden you have to do is get out of the way, allow creation to come through you, allow your ancestors to work through you, <clears throat> become a vessel that spirit can use you. You won't have to worry about protecting yourself. You won't have to wor about, wor worry about getting sick. And people will amaze you at how they heal. The interesting thing is, is he, so Jimmy the bone doctor, um, our paths didn't cross again for a long time. And one of my other teachers, an osteopathic teacher, uh, one of the, the luminaries in the cranial osteopathic field, which is sort of an interface of tissue and energy, even though they would choose to say it's more on the energy side. Um, I was struggling to, to work with her and she taught me a technique. Now I'd grown up meditating. My mother taught me to meditate when I was like four and I was exhausted. I had a presentation the next day in the hospital and, and she was in house hospital, this osteopathic teacher and teaching me stuff every night after my hospital duties. Um, and I, one night I came in, I was exhausted. I couldn't work. He said, Oh, maybe this will work. And she taught me, if you read that interview that's on my website, she taught me that practice of taking my consciousness and floating it behind my sacrum, forming a hook and pulling something off of me like a cloak that stuck to me kind of tight and hanging that there and allowing it to just kind of float and focus back there and then to observe all of the kind of wondrous changes it creates in my created in my nervous system and my vitality and my perceptual capacities and um and and that and i like had this burst of 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 energy clarity the thing she was trying me to, to teach me was suddenly really easy. And I was like, Dr. Day, her name was Ruby Day from the mountains of, of Western Maine, Harrison, Maine. So what was that? And she said, Dr. Sutherland, who's the founder of cranial osteopathy, taught me that in Des Moines, Iowa, in 1948. He called it getting out of the way, which I thought was, mm -hmm. so by the time I got back to Zuni, Jimmy had passed. Because the entire time I'm, I'm traveling, doing my clinical rotations as a med student, I'm like, what do you mean getting out of the way? How do, how do I get out of the way? You know, and, 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 and you know, is this like the Taoist where I, I just do, you know, I'm attached to doing nothing. And, and then here Ruby Day appears through the incredible 
coincidence in the universe, coincidence, right? And teaches me this practice that I've used. Um, I have a school that I train people to do, and I, I've put together the threads of a bunch of different lineages, seemingly disparate lineages, and I begin the journey by teaching them to get out of the way. And the piece that Ruby Day taught me, I continued to work and expand to where not just a one step, but now it's a 10 step process. Um, I realized after five years that if I got out of the way enough, so what does that mean to get out of the way? Yes, for our listeners, what yeah. can you yes. So what it means to get out of the way is to listen. We spend so much time, especially as physicians, poking and prodding and palpating. You know, it's a fancy way of poking and prodding. And we have our energy in the tips of our fingers. And we're basically penetrating our, our patients with our energies, looking, doing search and destroy for their symptoms, looking for what's going on. When you start to adopt the mindset that the source of the problem is never where it hurts. Right? Just say that to yourself for a second. The source of the problem is never where it hurts. Then how are you going to get there? You aren't getting there by, by digging deeper into the source of the problem, like where, right? And, and so you have to back up. You have to listen. You have to become a good conversationalist. You have to allow, you have to create a quiet field that enables their higher consciousness to communicate to you what they, what they require to, to support their healing. And then you have to have a map. Right, basically a guidebook or a GPS to know what that what you're feeling translates into where in the embryo, where in the tissue, what relationship is it energetic, is it tissue based, and then what technique do you have to call on? Because then you have a you know so first you you, you pray real hard to listen, then you you pray real hard to understand what it is you're hearing, and then you pray real hard to have the tools that will actually meet what you're being asked to do. And then to listen, to see whether you chose wisely, pick the right tool and are doing the right thing. Yes. You know, it's interesting because what you're talking about really is also my psychoanalytical work. And I think, Judy, a lot of what you do also. Um, but there's a piece that I know comes as gift and that is an intuitive place in me that I can settle into and feel that map. So if someone doesn't have that as gift, and we're all gifted, just different gifts. I'm not a good cook. What can, what can our listeners do to get out of the way? Because you're really talking about connecting with a higher level of consciousness. Mm. Right. So I'm, I, I know some people that listen every week and I know them and love them. And I know that they are thinking to themselves, oh, my gosh, I want to I want to. They're laughing right now. I want to be able to get out of the way. What, what is he talking about? How do they get how do I get out of the way? How can you we want, help them? Do you want to teach the basic practice that I, I, I start my um, students with? Well, I think that that, I don't think we have time for that. I mean, I think you'd like to come back on the show, but when you say, listen, most times when people go in prayer and they listen, if they haven't been meditating since age four, what they're going to hear is the chatter in their own head, which through my work with them, I help them to discern what that is and how to move. But what can we do just as lay people? Well, I think that's why. Dr. Sutherland, in his wisdom, taught, I, don't, I have no idea where he got that piece. The, the power of the, it reminds me of a lot of the meditations in Tibetan Buddhism, where you're actively manipulating your attention to confound your conscious mind and drive yourself deeper into a contemplative state. So I think the act of moving energy, forming a hook, allowing that hook to be freely suspended and automatically shifting behind your sacrum to consciously like imagine the practice of pulling off a wetsuit that glued to your skin okay. all the way down into your bone. You're going to peel it off 
and then turn around and hang it on the hook and leave it there. And that act, just that act, has a profound impact on our ability to acquire stillness. Okay, that's great. It's reproducible, it's trainable, um, it's identifiable. And so I start my day that way. My teachers, Dr. Day, and uh, lived her adult life out of the way. You know, she did this practice in the morning is what she did. What I find is the state I can accomplish uh, quickly when I do that approximates. It doesn't take the place of it. A deep state of long time meditation. Okay. And um, even even me with metal back there, for those with metal in mm, that you can still do it. It has nothing to do with that. Talking about the energy body. Talking about the energy yeah. body, but I wanted to make sure everyone heard that. Everyone yeah. So Stephen, you use this methodology a lot for healing, but but can people, regular people, use it in their everyday lives yeah, to create that sense of stillness? I I use it in traffic. <laughs> I, you know, I'll use it if I'm having a difficult conversation with a with with mm-hmm. a, anybody. You know, a confrontation at a grocery store, or um, or I'm working with a particularly trying patient. Mm-hmm. You know, it reminds me what you do, what you talk about with your energy, mm-hmm. with the breath. Yeah. And also, I was just curious, you know, with COVID-19, a lot of people are actually doing remote energy healing. Does your does your work lend itself to remote energy healing as well? Yes. I mean, I do. I've had it. Yeah. Once upon a time, because I came from the consciousness movement, some of my teachers, people in that movement would be abroad. They'd hurt themselves. They'd contact me and they'd want a remote healing. And I was always kind of like the reluctant healer in the beginning of it. Uh, And I might have done a handful a year. I moved, I went, moved into exile in in, in a year ago in March in a little island off of Southwest Florida. And suddenly I was, I found the demand because I closed my office. Uh, I was doing eight to 10 a day, many days. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I can probably come close to filling one day of remote sessions. Either people are living far away and they want to work with me or they don't want to come into the city. Um, or there are a few people that actually like the results they get better from the remote sessions than my hands-on sessions, which mm. is pretty weird. That's incredible. Um, um, and some of it, I mean, it's quantum physics, right? And there's no, you know, it's the same application as those amazing remote prayer studies that have been done. The thing that blows my mind is the capacity, if we are out of our way and we're allowing this to unfold, to actually move from that remote healing state, move bone. I had a young girl fall out of a hammock and they said she dislocated her sacrum and she couldn't get out of bed. And her parent called me, her mother called me, and I worked. And I, when I work remotely, I work as if they're on my table in my healing room as like a little version of themselves. And I'm doing the, often the procedures with my hands. And I, and I basically, I mean, it's some, I mean, part of me is like, you're going to talk about this on the radio? Um, lifted, engaged the sacrum and dropped it. And I felt it clunk. Yes. And um, the mother called me the next day and she was, the girl was walking for the first time since she'd fallen off the hammock. Um, yes. And there was no evidence of the swelling and she had regained maybe 75, 80% right away of her, her range of motion of her lumbar spine and sacrum. So, you know, from that space, it, 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 it's weird, but there's something, you know, it makes me want to watch, you know, what the bleep do we know again, or the, or it's sequel, you know, down the rabbit hole, just to do a review of quantum physics. Cause there's definitely something there and, and definitely, um, um, you know, every once in a while, you know, cause I find myself, I never intended to be so far holding spirit on the one hand and tissue on the other. And there's part of me that feels like I sit up in the corner of my office sometime after a particularly, and I do what I do because the people that I see have tried everything else. So I do what I do because I learned it and the tools are in my toolbox. It feels like this is what's being called for and it, it, it's achieved results over the years. I, I, you know, the things I use are the things I've used that were the difference between healing and not healing for like 
tens of thousands of people in the 35 years I've been doing this. So I never intended to be weird, which is a question somebody asked me in an interview years ago. And, you know, it's like I, you know, I ended up where I am because I really wanted to serve my patients, you know, and, and, and sort of the reluctant healer in that way. Um, so the remote healings have been like that. Mm -hmm. um, and your journey, I mean, who, who teaches a child to meditate at age four? You know, when you look at your, you know, your journey from the time you were a child, and from what I know of you also, um, it's always been anointed for you to be doing this. I well, you know, it's ironic that's, that, you know, it's in our own journeys. Uh, do you all know the book, you know, the, the journey of the gift, uh, the, yeah, the, the drama of the gifted child, Alice Miller? Mm -mm. Book written in the 60s. It, it, it's the interesting thing is the very first chapter is called Why We Heal. And she's the first person that seemed to like pull the veil aside and say, we mostly are motivated to heal so strongly because we've been so damaged ourselves. Healing is an extension of this craving to be loved by our primary family. That's right. So, you know, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Be right back. You're listening to. Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Okay, great. So where were we, Stephen? Ged, finish what you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> where were we? Well, well Stephen. Go ahead, Judy. I was going to say, Stephen, I would love to learn more about um, one of your mentors, uh, Reverend Rosalind, and what you learned from her. Rosalind yeah. Briere. Mm -hmm. Rosalind Briere. Um, hmm. Rosalind Briere, I, I apprenticed with her for 15 years. I was blessed to to sit at her feet. Um, she was, um, how do I go into that? Pro one of the most profoundly powerful healers I know. Um, I've been at the table hand in hand working with her and watched her dissolve Kaposi's sarcomas on the skin of a patient. Uh, I've um, been, I've talked with people who've been with her when she started a car with her bare hands, when the, the battery had died, um, developed that much chi. Um, one of the real celebrated healers uh, on the planet, really. Uh, she trained 
Well, interestingly, she comes from the Dutch Reformed Church, which has a pastoral healing and mediumship background. So she was a profoundly powerful healer who left the Dutch Reformed Church when she found out the non-Christian spirits are much more fun than the Christian spirits to incorporate. Um, but she's been taken in as an, uh, and, and sort of hailed as a medicine elder by several of the tribes. Um, she was uh, enthroned as a, a medium, as a, as a uh, oracle for the Bund, the pre-Buddhist Tibetan religion. Um, amazing. She taught us a lot about the discipline of spiritual law. Uh, a lot about one of her things is um, to filter much in the body. There's, she has several filters. One of them is the understanding of the medicine wheel. The wheel of law is a sacred teaching through which to understand so much of cosmology and so much of the body. Also, speaking of wheels, um, she's a master of the chakra system um, yes. and energy practice. Um, she's still, uh, she, her program is called the Healing Light Center Church, HLCC. She's in Sierra Madre, California, and she's still, she's still teaching. She's still out there. And um, for anybody who wants to get a toe in, in that world of healing. Um, she's a very wonderful source of having an experience and really having a door open if you if you want to learn more or experience more about energy, mediumship, spiritual law. Um, yeah. She, uh, one of the things that she's really good at is reading you and empowering you to become the healer that you are. So she, um, uh, one of my colleagues in the first practice, the, the practice that brought me to New York, had been studying with her and she brought me to meet her. And um, she um, asked a question, I gave an answer she didn't like. She brought me up in front of 250 of my most intimate friends um, <laughs> and, and uh, I mean, basically proceeded to do energetic heart surgery on me. It's, it's uh, <laughs> okay. um, and at, at that moment, it's, it, she was exactly what I was looking for. And I said, you know, grandmother, can I, can I train with you? She said, I believe you've already begun to train with me, Stephen. Um, so, um, yeah, her teachers and her spirit teachers uh, were deeply influential in my clarifying my model and, and walking my path in healing understanding the role of sacred geometry and ceremony and energetic practices. Because um, I, I like your story when you were saying that she was helping you, I guess, with your knee or your foot. Mm. And she asked you what was happening in your life when that injury first occurred. Yeah. So oftentimes the pain that we feel, we, it actually originates, like you said earlier, not from what we think it does. Never. And, you know, it's so easy to miss that opportunity, right? I mean, we can consider that the pain holds the possibility of a threshold to a deeper understanding of ourselves and our journey and what its context is. And if we just like chase the pain, run around after it and, and do what we can to bludgeon it until it becomes non-symptomatic, we've missed an opportunity. And, and it's that deeper, I mean, I sort of think of it like shoots and ladders, it's a kid's game, you know, it's like when you start digging, it really is sort of like going down the rabbit hole. And, and but therein lies the healing. Therein lies the awakening. Therein lies a deeper relationship with God or a deeper relationship with spirit. Um, in any and every true healing art. Yeah. That is yeah. so. That is so, unquestionably. So if we were, um, I want to end with prayer. We have a couple of minutes before we end. It went very quick. Um, would you ever consider coming back on again, Stephen? I would love it. Being a guest? I had a, a ball with you. Um, I think Judy and I would too. Um, if there was one takeaway that you would want to tell our listeners, what would that be? And you have a clinic called the Medicine Lodge Clinic mm -hmm. in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. If there was one takeaway, what would you like to uh, have our listeners take away from this tonight? Real briefly, Stephen. I, I have the Medicine Lodge Clinic as, as a practice, and I have a school called the Altar of Creation. Um, hmm, I have about four takeaways. <laughs> I'd love to Well, to we share. have one minute, um, and Judy might have something to ask. 
I, you know, the first thing that came to my mind when, since you said prayer is uh, one of my favorite Essene prayers is may the Christed breath within bridge the gap between that which I'm able to do and that which needs to be done in this moment. Mm. You know, it's about surrendering and getting out of the way and allowing spirit to fill the gap. Some of the days where I've been least well, you know, you're all joking today about since this day of mask and hand sanitizers and I wear a visor, I see 12 people a day and I put my hands on them. Nobody's gotten colds, nobody's gotten intestinal flus, you know. Yeah, I mean, some of us, some people have gotten COVID, unfortunately, um, touch wood. Um, but, uh, you know, that when I, back when I used to get colds and you, or, or have an injury and I, I'd be unwell and you really feel like, what can I offer this person? I, I, you know, I have to work really hard to be present. That What's prayer would always come to mind. I'm so and, sorry. We have to end in one minute. So I do want to end. Oh, in yeah. there. Unless Judy, you want to say something else to Stephen, we can, uh, go ahead. Stephen, this has been absolutely incredible. And I know Georgianne loves to end in prayer, so I don't want to disappoint her. That's okay. <laughs> so, so Georgianne, Georgianne, go ahead. Okay. All right, Joey and Stephen, thank you for being on the show. Um, loving God, you fill all things with the fullness and hope that we can never comprehend. Thank you for leading us into a time where more of reality is being unveiled for us to see. We pray that you take away our natural temptation for cynicism, denial, fear, and despair. Help us to have the courage to awaken to greater truth, greater humility, and greater care for one another. And we place all our prayers, all our hope, and the blessings that you offer us we offer back to you in service at the altar of your grace. And knowing that you are hearing us better than we can ever speak and be clear to you, we pray in all of the names of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us tonight. We hope it was rich for you. I loved it. And we love you, and we hope to see you next week. Thank you for those that are behind the scenes doing all the technical work for us. And we'll see you next week at A Journey Through Into Awareness. We have a great guest next week also. Good night. Good night. Thank you, Judy. Great to see you guys. Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the mind behind leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. 
all you listeners looking to boost your business, why not advertise on Talk Radio NYC with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply send us a message on our website, talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.